Welcome to Better Pause. I'm Stu, I'm your host, and today we're going to talk about the runway drill. The runway drill is the drill upon which everything else rests. It is the absolute foundations. Without it, training in itself becomes a long drawn out process. What I like to do is I like to have the fewest amount of drills possible, which allow for the biggest bang for your buck. So the idea, for example, with the runway drill is that we get your relationship in line and on the same page between the two of you, between your student and yourself. So we teach the TAM, our terminal repetitive marker. We teach name recognition. We, we teach attention to you. We have the foundations then for a recall. We have the foundations for a middle. We have the foundations for a heel. We also then, ergo, have foundations for sit. We have casting we have muzzle conditioning and we have desensitization 10 individual aspects 10 facets if you will that all spring from one drill and that's the runway drill so let's have a look at how we're going to do the runway drill what we'll do is we'll take a piece of food we'll throw it to our side and if you've got a hallway that you can do this in or a long sort of walkway that's perfect anywhere where there's an easy to define difference between food and floor if our student is struggling with that because we're throwing small pieces of food in the grass, what we're going to do is we're going to have, uh, we're trying to get high excitement. And if we continue to make our dog think, this is counterintuitive, if we make a dog's think, then as our thought processes ramp up, then we actually result in a calmer version of our dog. And right now, that's not what we want. We want our dog being reactive. We want our dog being highly motivated. We want our dog to be, be really enthusiastic about the things that we want to do. So grab a piece of food, get into the hallway or a pathway, and tease your student with the food, throw the food for them, let them go and get it. It's imperative that they see the food as it's being thrown. As soon as they finish eating the food, you say your student's name, you show them the food, and you throw it in the opposite direction. So if you, if you threw food to the right, you're going to throw food to the left. This is important because we want our student to run twice as far, twice as fast. Now you'll be starting to build up some speed. Speed equals enthusiasm. When our student is showing that they're enthusiastic, we'll say their name, and we can go two ways. Either you have a third of their meal in your hand, you put that onto your thigh or your shin, depending on the size of your dog and you. You walk backwards, you suddenly come to a stop, and just as your student is over-pursuing, just as they're about to slam into your hand, that is when you say yes, or you click, or you whistle, and they can then eat the third of their meal, and then you say ready, go straight back into the next repetition. Alternatively, what you could do is get your bait bucket, so it's a hard bucket, you take your food in and out of that, throw that around, and when you want them to eat out of that, you say their name, they come running back to you. And just before, instead of presenting food from your hands, you present it out of the, like your, your bait bag or your bait bucket. And they can then really dive their heads into this. Some students are a little bit more apprehensive about taking food out of your hands. Some students start off as an absolute alligator and they would rip your hand off. So that can be a little bit nicer for you. And some people, don't like to have all of the meaty, chunky stuff all over their hands. So that's a nice way of keeping your hygiene. But ultimately, what we want is for our student to get fully pumped and then trying to possess that food. That's a good thing for, what, for our purposes right now. So the three real aspects of this drill, speed, smash, steal. These are all things that sound counterintuitive. These are all things that sound... Uh, 
said very rude and that's exactly what we want for our initial purposes of the drill the initial purpose of the drill is to teach our student that when i say your name this is a source of benefit this is not a source of detriment when i say your name you may have to come back to me and get a third of your meal and incidentally when i make this sound that means you're going to get a third of your meal let's have a look at some common faults some common faults of this drill are that i say my student's name and then I throw the food away. Now what I'm doing is I'm teaching my student to pay attention to the environment, not to me. And very selfishly, the runway is very centric to you. It is your student's job to remain attentive to you in a high state of arousal, high enthusiasm, high excitement. And they still remain focused on your next move, your next sound. That's important. So it's selfish from us, it's very giving from our students. So when we throw the food away, say nothing, it's only when we say our student's name that they go from eating the food to turning their head to us to look for our next cue. This is important. Because what, what tends to happen is people say their dog's name, they throw the food, they wait, and then they say the name, throw the food, and it's, we have a, a chain of events that is there's a risk of something negative happening later on down the track. So I throw the food, they finish eating, I say their name, they look at me and they come running. This is important. Another thing, and this is equally important, is it is up to our student to smash into our hands. And a lot of students don't start off that way because we've taught them to be very polite and not to bite us, those sorts of things. Now we're saying, dude, I'm your punching bag, come over and smash the food out of my hands. So you may need to just back up. So just backpedal away from them as they're coming to you. You come to a stop that they can't see coming and they accidentally bump into your hands. And just before they do, you whistle, click or, or say yes. And you will see them physically bounce back out and then they'll come back in and recover. But what you're doing now is you're teaching them that every time they hear that click, that whistle, whatever that tam is, every time they hear the tam, smash into your hands that's what it means and it, if we have that really powerful it doesn't matter whether you have an eight week old puppy or a three-year-old reactive dog they will respond to that tam in the same way they will come running they will have a mood change in their head away from detriment immediately into their benefit they will start drooling as their digestive system starts to kick in these are not voluntary things these are involuntary subconscious responses to our tam this is very very important that we have that for later on because all of our skills all of our desensitization all of our counter conditioning rides on the shoulders of the runway drill okay so Speed, get our students running. Smash, get them to smash into your hands. You should feel the impact. The way I describe it to my clients is, I am personally, it makes my skin crawl when I get a wet fish handshake. Even doing it to myself, I, I feel re revolted at myself for doing it. What I want is that firm handshake. That is what's important, that our students are comfortable, safe and secure enough to come in and really give us some gusto coming in to take that food. Now, the next thing is, this is very difficult for some of us to wrap our minds around because we're so used to giving this unconditional love to our students that we just give all the time. Nay, nay, we are playing hard to get now. It is up to our students to come and take the food out of our hands. And the best way that I've found to describe that is, I want your student to steal the food out of your hands. 
And a lot of people are like, that just sounds crazy. Am I not making my dog food aggressive? No, you're making this into a game that your, your student understands all too well. It's a case of speed, smash, and steal. It's a huge amount of fun because this is the only time I get to do it. I get to have my meal. I get to have a great time and I feel empowered. I feel enriched. I've just done a bunch of wind sprints. So I'm physically better off than going for an hour walk. I've just spent a few minutes doing sprint work. And I've also had my mind enriched. I've had to think about what I'm doing. Can I over pursue? Do I need to come in this hard? Should I come in slower? How quickly do I need to heat in order to get this food out of your hands? This, this is an important step. Now, generally speaking, I only need to spend two days. That's breakfast and dinner. If you can squeeze in a lunchtime, so much the better. What I'd like to have is a four hour gap in between lessons of the same nature. Otherwise, the dots that we're throwing out in those sessions, they can get rerouted in different ways and the dots don't connect the way we want them to. They can get a bit confused. If I leave four to five hours in between my sessions, I can squeeze easily a breakfast, a lunch and a dinner session in. But most of my clients work or they have things to do during the day, like pick up kids, take care of kids, do all that sort of stuff. So what I say is you can spend five minutes at breakfast, you can spend five minutes at dinner. That can be done, that is easily manageable while you're waiting for the, for the toast to pop, while you're waiting for the kettle to boil, while you're waiting for your coffee to, to get ready. That's a training session sitting right there. Done, real world, real life. And the runway will be done. If, if it takes you more than three minutes to complete, you have a slow eater, right? And that, I would say that that would be unusual. But as soon as we get our students invested in the speed, the smash and the steal, That'll be done, and now our, our students are gagging for that TAM, that click, that whistle, that yes, whatever the signal it is that you're gonna use, they're hanging for it. So any learning that happens automatically inherits the value of that TAM. So if we've got a value that is like sky high, and we pair that with say, for example, place training, then place training assumes the value of that TAM. If I do that with sit, then sit takes on the value of that TAM. And then the performance becomes the reinforcer very quickly, and I can come away from external reinforcers. And now I'm starting to head towards a trial stage, which is the real world application of skills. Okay, so let's just rehash that for a little bit. The runway starts everything off. From the runway, I can achieve my TAM, that's our first goal. We're reshaping and redefining name recognition. That's our second goal. We're building foundations for heel, for recall, for middle. We can get to those later. Sit is a function of those three um, dynamic positions. Sit is a static component of those. So that's already six drills that we have all coming from the runway. And then, like I said, there's casting. Go left, go right, go back, go behind. That's another four skills, but we'll just call it casting. There's muzzle training, and then I've got desensitization. I've got loads of things that I can come off. The list is endless about what comes off the back of the runway drill. So what I would like for you guys to do is just to rehash your runway. Go back to, well, how is it that I click a train? What was the initial acquisition phase? And that's what this is about. It's the acquisition phase rolled up into as little as four sessions before I can actually use it in the real world to start working on my student.
All right, if you've got any questions, do let me know, post in the comments below, and please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to this, particularly the subscribe one, because that's gonna help other people that are in, in uh, your network help see this, and you obviously find this to be of some benefit, I'm hoping. Awesome, thanks for hanging around.